It's, uh, it's a good Sunday for several reasons. Uh, one of them, though, is that it's Ian Pitter's birthday. I had to. I had to. So we won't sing at the man that uh, sings weekly, but if you want to just like shout happy birthday right now, no one's going to stop you. And if you happen to see Larry Vold today, it's his birthday eve. So it's a big weekend. It's a big weekend. Um, I saw a lot of 49ers gear out there. Uh, there's a big game today. All the diehard fans are like not here, right? So if you're wearing 49ers gear and you are here, you're not a heathen, which is great. Um, I did see one Lions jersey. <laughs> He's hiding in the balcony. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here this morning. This is my first Celebrate New Life uh, service. My name's Austin Payne. I'm the new student guy and... Brand new. So if you're new here this morning, we're, we're in this together. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm very excited to see us as a church celebrate new life. And in a minute here, we're going to watch people get baptized in this public declaration of what Jesus has done in their life. And this is also our, our last Sunday in our series called Let's Go. And so if you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been talking about our brand new Three Crosses app. Even if you want to pull out your phone right now and say, I'm here in person, hopefully Hopefully you're starting to get those uh, icons lit up, right? Did anybody do a wanna in here, right? Approved workmen are not ashamed. There's like four of us, right? If you didn't do a wanna, um, you're you're probably in good company with the people to your left or to your right. But this feels like the modern version Silicon Valley meets uh, a wanna as we light up our icons and get excited for what we're doing here at church. And, and that's uh, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about giving, we've been talking about serving, and today we talk about let's go invite a friend. Um, and so Luke chapter six, verse 45, I love the imagery that Jesus gives us in a sermon that he gives. Uh, and, and he says, a tree is known by its fruit. And then when we look at an apple tree, we know that it's an apple tree inherently because it has apples, right? And so Jesus, in his sermon, he uses this really low-hanging fruit analogy of a tree is known by its fruit. And even in that part of his message, he says, from the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And we, we as human beings, right, we, we get this. We start to grasp, like, you and I, we talk about what we love, right? Uh, for example, right, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I got to go back down to San Diego, where I'm from, this last week. Um, I was down there Friday and Saturday. Drove another 26-foot U-Haul yesterday all the way up the 5 North. If you've ever moved and had to drive one of those U-Hauls, um, I've done it twice in the last month and consider myself very blessed, right, as I get shaken on the freeway um, in that U-Haul truck. But uh, the, I was back down in San Diego, and the, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. We as people, we talk about what we love. In San Diego, there's this burrito called the California Burrito. Um, and if you've been to San Diego, I know there's places around here that make it, but I am a firm believer that San Diego has like the best Mexican food in the world, and I will stand by that statement. And I'm a huge fan. And there's this place called the Taco Stand, and they have a burrito, come on now, they have a burrito called the Mad y Tierra Burrito, which is like steak and shrimp, and it's made in a quesadilla with these sauces. And y'all, like for me, when I eat, 
the Mari Tierra burrito, it's like it feels like heaven meets earth for a minute, right? When you put the sauces in there. And I'm the type of person that like when I eat something that I really, really enjoy, the enjoyment is almost capped off by me sharing about that burrito. Like it's not enough for me to eat it. I have to go and tell everybody that I know that they have to eat this burrito. Right? And if, if you're a sports fan, right? Like we talk about the 49ers, talk about the Lions. Like if you watched the Lakers Warriors game last night, moment of silence. Hey, we as people, it's a natural response to talk about what we love. We watch the game and then we wake up the next morning and I was backstage talking with a couple of the guys on the worship team or Pastor Danny or Pastor Ryan and we're just, we're talking about that which we love. We love the Warriors. We love watching a sport. We love food and it's a very natural thing to go from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We talk about what we love and yet, This is not a guilt trip. This isn't me standing in front of you, church, going, hey, if you love Jesus, you have to talk about him everywhere you go. That's that's not my goal is to stand up here this morning and kind of guilt you into like, hey, you love food and you talk about it. You love sports and you talk about it. Do you love Jesus? And you're like, yes, I'll talk about him more. I'm sorry, right? That's that's not my goal and that's not my heart for this morning. My, My goal is that there's an invitation to shift your perspective a little bit this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, turn over to Matthew chapter 28, uh, and we're going to look at uh, the, the last words that Jesus speaks to his disciples before he ascends, before he goes back to the right hand of the Father. Jesus meets up with his guys post-resurrection, and there's this really awesome moment in Matthew chapter 28 that if you've been around church before, maybe you've heard this referred to as the Great Commission, Um, if you've gone to like a missions conference before or if you've supported a missionary, the Great Commission is historically kind of tied hand in hand with this missions concept. And yet for our purposes this morning, uh, my goal is to unpack this a little bit and see where it applies for every single one of us. Not, Not just a mission board or the missionaries, but if you're sitting here this morning going, I am a follower of Jesus then how does Matthew chapter 28 apply to you? And if you're, if you're brand new to this whole church thing and maybe you got invited today to watch a friend or a family member get baptized, uh, my hope is this morning to unpack Matthew chapter 28 in such a way that will make sense for all of us, that this is not a like Christianity 401, you know, like senior level class, but this is Jesus post-resurrection making a statement saying, hey, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me now. Listen, and let's unpack this together, okay? So Matthew chapter 28. Um, If you, did y'all know that Three Crosses has a podcast? Did you know, did you know that? Okay, for those of you that didn't know that, I didn't know that until about a couple of weeks ago, um, and I got invited this week to, to, talk on the podcast with uh, Pastor AJ, and in, in the podcast, we unpack a lot of the context of Matthew chapter 28. So for this morning's purposes, I, I want to invite us into a shift of perspective, and then we're going to celebrate this new life for, in baptisms. But if you want to unpack this a little bit more, want a little bit more context on what we're talking about this morning, I would encourage you to check out that podcast this week as we, we talk extensively about the context of this and then what it means for us as a church. But in Matthew chapter 28, what we see is there is a woman named Mary Magdalene and then there's the other Mary, which 
is kind of funny, right? Like, if you're referred to in the Bible as, like, the other Mary, that's kind of unfortunate. And it's a little bit how I feel. Uh, like, Austin Foxworthy was up here, ba- like, doing the baby dedications. And then I stand up and I'm like, hi, I'm the other Austin, right? It's like, <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the less special Austin, right? I showed up to the bay and there was already an Austin. So we're still trying to figure out what to call me. But there's Mary Magdalene and then there's the other Mary, and they're headed on their way to honor Jesus's body, right? They were, they were there. They witnessed Jesus hanging on the cross, crucified, and they're headed to, to, the, to the tomb. And they're going to go and they're going to honor Jesus's body. And it says like, while we, we get this flash forward in Matthew chapter 28 to the tomb where uh, it says an angel shows up and his clothes were, you know, white as snow and his appearance was bright as lightning. And there was these trained soldiers that these Roman centurions that would have been trained since birth to be the biggest, baddest guards. And it says that they fell like dead men at the appearance of this angel. And then the Marys show up and the angel speaks to him and says, do not be afraid. Jesus, whom you're looking for, isn't here. Here. And so their, their adrenaline is pumping, their pulse is up, and they're running back to tell the disciples that Jesus is no longer in the tomb. And Jesus, I have to believe that he had a sense of humor. There's a part of me that thinks like, it, like if, if God is who he said he was and he is the author and creator of life, I don't think you and I have like a sense of humor and enjoy things in life and God's like, hmm, that's weird. I didn't make him like that. Like I think enjoyment is a part of God's character. And I think Jesus embodies this. And if you're anything like me, like I'm the youngest of four siblings, I really enjoy scaring people, right? And I know, I know it's kind of like twisted and dark, but there's a part of me that loves, like especially if you've been hiding somewhere for a really long time, and then you jump out and like you see somebody's body just like leave their soul, right? Like just for like momentarily and then it comes back. Like there, there's just a beauty in that. And Jesus in this moment, now this isn't in the Bible, It's not like directly in the Bible, but Jesus just died and then he resurrected, which is not a normal thing for humans to do, right? And then he knows the Marys went to the tomb and he sees them coming from a distance, in my opinion, right? Again, this isn't in the Bible, but Jesus's first words to the Marys in quotations, in red letters in your Bible is greetings. And I have to believe Jesus wasn't just standing in the middle of the road. Like I kind of think he was hiding behind a tree or maybe like I found a big rock. And he says, greetings to the Marys. And they've already seen the angel, right? They already went to see a dead body who's no longer there. And the first time they see Jesus alive in the flesh, he just says, greetings, Like, what an awesome moment in the Bible. He says, greetings, and it says that they fell and they worshiped him, and Jesus says, do not be afraid, go and tell my brothers. And then we see the disciples gather, and the 11 of them show up with Jesus, and Jesus, with the very first words out of his mouth, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. Powerful statement. When Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine, it begs the reader, the listener, the hearer to pay attention to what the next words are, right? I I don't know what your background with the church is. I don't know what your background with Jesus is. But when Jesus makes the statement, all authority in this place, this kingdom, this earth, and heaven, all time past, all time future, all authority is mine. We see in Philippians chapter two that at the name of Jesus, 
Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that authority. Jesus says, all authority is mine, and the next verse says, therefore. That it's not just an authoritarian statement, it's an authoritarian statement with a follow-up. He says, therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, historically, I think why this is considered um, kind of a missional verse is because the first things Jesus says is, therefore, go. And so in our minds, we, we tend to think like this is for the missionaries. This is for maybe the, the Mark Tylers or the Randy Odoms of the world. Right? If, you're, uh, if this is home for you at Three Crosses, we think about like our, our missionaries and the people that are abroad because it says, therefore, go. All nations. And yet, right, the, the, if you look at this verse in the original context, in the original Greek, the imperative, the main verb that Jesus is trying to emphasize when he speaks this is actually make disciples. And so go, baptize, and teach are, are the supporting words to make disciples. And now, why do I bring this up on a Sunday where we're talking about let's invite people? Why, why do we talk about the Great Commission? Why do we talk about Jesus' last words? Is Because, friends, I believe that for every single one of us sitting here that call three crosses home, that would consider ourselves followers of Jesus, that this is a mandate for you and for me, that we would go and make disciples, that we would teach the people around us to obey everything that Jesus commanded us. And that word obey, uh, the, the context around it is that we would guard, that we would, we, we would preserve, that we would protect that which Jesus has invited us into. And now you and I have a response to what Jesus has challenged us to, to go and to make disciples, that we would be a part of baptizing, which we're gonna see here today, which is this, this identity rooted in the old has gone, the new has come, my life is aligned with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. This is a, a process of making disciples, that we would go that throughout our day, at our jobs, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in the context that we find ourselves in, that making disciples would be a regular part of our life, that we would make it a habit to invite people along to the journey that we are on of following Jesus. Uh, there's a, a book called uh, The Unchurched Next Door where Tom Rainer he does this nationwide study and he finds that 82% of unchurched people are likely to attend a church service if invited. 82% of unchurched people said, yeah, I would go to church if somebody invited me to church. And in that same study, he found that seven out of 10 unchurched people have actually never been invited to church. Those are staggering numbers, right? That 82% of unchurched people said, yeah, I would go. And seven out of 10 of those people would have gone, I've just never been invited, which is challenging. Right? That's, it, it leaves this question mark for every single one of us of what is our role in this discipleship process as Three Crosses Church. And now, I think there's a tension here. That for us, uh, we don't build out an app with an icon to simply say like, hey, church, make sure you invite people to just come and sit in these chairs and then it's, it's Pastor Danny's job or it's Pastor Ryan's job to make the disciples, to preach the gospel and all you have to do is get the people here. 
And on, on the flip side, I think the other side of the tension is that I, I don't think every single one of us has to make every minute of every hour of every day all about evangelism. It's, I do believe that some people have the gift of evangelism, and yet you don't have to, every time you sit down on BART or every time you sit down in an airplane or every time you walk into the office, go, you don't have to like, make every word that comes out of your mouth all about the gospel or all about Jesus. And so it, it makes this tension. Do I just invite people to church? Or do I evangelize all the time? And I think the answer is somewhere in the middle of those two things. And what I love about our church and what I love about this Make Disciples initiative and let's go invite people to church is that Three Crosses has a bounty of opportunities for us as a church to respond to this invitation. There's things like ice skating where 40,000 people came up on this hill to come and check out our church. In student ministries, we just did a Disneyland trip where there's this just awesome opportunity to invite people along to say like, hey, would you come to Disneyland with me? What an invitation. This Wednesday, we're starting community nights where we have a meal together and there's parenting classes and there's all of these opportunities as a church to go like, hey, would you just come along with me on this journey of following Jesus? And we unpack this a little bit more in the podcast, but what I love about our church is that there's all of these opportunities for us to build bridges with people and I believe wholeheartedly that, that relationship is the bridge that truth travels over. That maybe you and I have people in our life that can speak hard truth to us. Usually that's people that we have a lot of relationship with. And so when we look at the Matthew chapter 28 and say, what's our role in making disciples? How do we do this? Friends, relationship is the bridge that truth travels over. What would it look like this week to find somebody as you're going throughout your life and that you're making disciples is to just invite them along the journey that you're already in. Invite them to come to a community night. Invite them to come to church with you and sit down. Invite them over to your house for a meal. What would it look like for us to take Jesus' words seriously when he says, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. Go therefore and make disciples. How? What if it was as simple as just as you were going, starting to look up and look around you and seeing the opportunities that you have to build those relationships, to build those bridges in which truth can travel over? But here's the best part of Matthew 28, in my opinion. It doesn't just end with Jesus giving his disciples this massive mandate of go make disciples. And they're like, okay, all right, we can do that, make disciples. And they're like, who? He's like, everyone. They're like, everyone? And they count. Like, there's 11 of us. Did you say all nations? He's like, uh-huh. Like, ah, better get started. I love that Jesus ends the Great Commission with, I will be with you always to the end of the age. That Jesus promises his presence. In John chapter 16, verse seven, Jesus says to his disciples, it's better for you that I go away so that I can send you the Holy Spirit. And what we're gonna witness this morning is our people, three crosses people going, I am aligning myself with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus as they go under the water, that the old has gone, the new has come, and there, there's this newness, this new life found in the person of Jesus. One of my favorite quotes is a guy named Timothy Keller, and he says this, the gospel is this. We are far more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dare believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus than we ever dared hope. And that's what our friends and our family are about to declare here in the tub this morning, that we are far more sinful and broken than we ever dared admit. 
And yet we have a savior in the person of Jesus that sees us, that knows us, knows everything about us and still chooses to love us. First John chapter four says, this is love, not that we loved God. The Bible is not about what we have to do to get to him. That our friends and family in the tub this morning are declaring, right? It's not what I did, it's what Jesus did. Right? The, the, in first John four says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son as an atoning sacrifice for us. That the gospel, friends, is the greatest story ever told, the good news that Jesus came and lived a perfect life that you and I can't live, and died a death that we deserve to die because of the brokenness, because of the sin in us, and that yet it doesn't end there. He didn't stay dead. The Bible says that he resurrected three days later to prove that he can make dead things alive. You and I, without Jesus, we are dead things. And what we get to celebrate this morning is that our friends are no longer dead in their sins, but they are alive in Jesus. And so I just wanna end with this. And I know, I know Danny already said this, but if you're sitting here this morning and maybe there's a, a burning in your chest or you feel and you know within your heart that you need to get baptized this morning, don't let the fact that you didn't bring a change of clothes with you this morning be the reason that you don't get baptized. And some of my favorite moments in my walk with Jesus are the moments where I get to watch Jesus put it on people's heart to go, I'm wearing jeans and a sweatshirt, but today's the day. I mean, maybe you're sitting here up in the balcony or you're sitting here in the audience and you know that you need to declare that you are broken, that you are sinful, and today is the day that you go, all right, Lord, I'm in. And you need to surrender to Jesus and you need to come up here and have a conversation with Pastor Ryan. He's just to my left, to your right, over in this hallway. If you wanna just get up and make your way down here as people are getting baptized, have a conversation with him, maybe today is the day where you go, I'm in. I need to follow Jesus. I am more broken than I ever dared admit, and yet I am more loved and known because of Jesus than I ever dared hope for. So would you pray with me as we start this Celebrate New Life Sunday? God, thank you for your gospel that it is good news, Father, that we have something to celebrate. And as, uh, as funny and, and cheesy as it is to talk about sharing a, a burrito that we love, God, we have something so much more exciting and so much more powerful than just good food or a fun sport to be a, a fan of, God, that we, as we come home to this church on a weekly basis, declare the good news of the gospel. God, that you loved us enough to send your one and only son that whoever believes in him, an open invitation to all that hear that good news. God, shall not perish, not be dead in their sin, but have new life for all of eternity with you. We love you. Thank you for loving us first. God, I pray for every single person getting baptized today that this would be an encouragement, that we would get to celebrate as a church and just watch what you're doing in our, in, in our midst, God, as you're expanding your kingdom. We love you. Thanks for loving us first. In Jesus' name we pray.